that is the most beautiful aspect of the story, is the reality that Jesus has in grace and in love and in mercy bound himself to his people. That's what he says. verse 33, and he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? So what Jesus did there, call it what it is. He just played dumb. That's what Jesus did. Who are my mother and my brothers? As if he didn't know, as if they didn't know. He's asking this rhetorical question. Who are my mother and who are my brothers? Verse 34, and looking about at those who sat around him, Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew in Matthew 12 says that Jesus also took his hand and pointed with his hand at those around him. So the picture here is of Jesus in the middle of the dwelling, in the middle of the room. And all around him are those who are sitting around him, receiving his teaching. And we're told that Jesus looks all around. Periblepo is the word there. The only reason I say that is because I like to say that word, periblepo. Isn't that a cool word? Periblepo. So he looks all around just looks into their eyes. Very, very different look than when Jesus looked at the Pharisees in the synagogue who were waiting for Him to heal the man with the withered hand and He looked at them with anger. Here He looks all around and and Matthew says with His hand, He gestures around at each one of them, making eye contact with all of them. Verse 34, looking about at those who sat around Him, He said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. So what Jesus just did, without one ounce of lowering the bar of love and devotion and care for earthly family, without lowering that whatsoever, Jesus just raised the standard for spiritual relationships. Jesus just set for us a very clear hierarchy of earthly relationships and eternal relationships. All of you, if you are a child of the King, you have both earthly relationships and relationships that are both earthly and eternal. And so what Jesus just did for us is say to us, here is the proper hierarchy of those relationships. Without one bit of lowering the standard for earthly relationships, specifically earthly family relationships, Jesus says there's a higher one, and that's eternal family relationships. We said not too long ago that Jesus never lowered any of the standards of God's moral commands, not a single one. Not a single command of God, of a moral command of God, did Jesus lessen it or reduce it in any way. And if anything, he sharpened it or intensified it. The same thing is true for the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Jesus did not lower that one bit. And in fact, in Mark chapter 7, he's going to rebuke the Pharisees for finding their little loopholes around caring for their parents. Remember the story of when uh, the episode when Jesus is on the way to the cross and he's passing by this group of ladies and they shout out, blessed be the, the womb that bore you and the breast that nurtured you. 
In other words, to bless his earthly mother. And Jesus stops and says, well, there's another relationship that's far more important than that. Blessed instead be those who hear the will of God and do it. So Jesus very plainly here is giving us a hierarchy without saying to us, no, 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 you can sort of let your pedal off the gas, let your foot off the gas of your love and your devotion and your care for earthly family relationships. Without saying that at all, Jesus says, there's a more important one. There's a higher one. Here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. These are the ones who do the will of God. Their relationship takes precedence. So Jesus just did a couple things here. First of all, he just defined for us a new kingdom that is momentously inclusive. Think about just how inclusive this new kingdom is. Those who are Jesus's mother and brothers and sisters. One stipulation that Jesus puts on that, those who do the will of God. So every other dividing line is removed. Every race, every skin color, ethnicity, background, education, what you've done in your past, what you haven't done in your past, everything else is is erased. Jesus says, here's a new kingdom, and this is how inclusive it is. There is one descriptor I'm going to give you, and that descriptor is, they do the will of God. And by this, what Jesus means is not, oh, they perfectly obey the will of God. Because think of who's in the room with them. I mean, they just just maybe yesterday, heard the Sermon on the Mount, which is the initial, sort of the first message on discipleship. And so here they are now, and Jesus is saying, these are the ones who do the will of God. Those whose heart delights in doing His will. Those whose heart, like uh, 1 John 5, 3, that that this is the love of God, that, that we keep His commands and His commands are not burdensome. That's the heart that He's talking about. The heart that delights in keeping the Word of God. The heart that finds delight in His commands. Not the heart that makes no mistake, that never fails to keep any of His commands, or doesn't find some of His commands harder than others to keep. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What He's saying, though, is those who are my mother and my brothers are those who delight in keeping the Word of God, the will of God, the commands of God. So incredibly inclusive. But at the same time, just think of how exclusive this is. Because all of those outside of that descriptor are not who Jesus claims. Those whose heart would not say, His will is my delight. Are excluded, regardless of background, regardless of past, regardless of human efforts, regardless of any other category. Incredibly inclusive, incredibly exclusive. So I need to hasten to make one very, very important clarification here, because if we miss this clarification, we're going to get all sideways. And here's the clarification. Listen carefully to this. When Jesus says, the ones who are my brothers and sisters and mother are the ones who do the will of God. Jesus is not giving a prescription for how you get into the family. Jesus is providing a description of those who are in the family. If you miss that clarification, you've missed a lot. And you'll get really sideways. If you miss that, then what it sounds like is what Jesus is saying is, this is how you get into the family by doing the will of God. 
And that would be contrary to everything Jesus is going to say. That's going to be contrary to what the scriptures say. That'll be contrary to, for example, Ephesians 5, uh, 2 and verse 8. For by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. So Jesus is not saying this is how you come inside the house. Remember the contrast? Those inside versus those outside. Jesus is not saying this is how you get in the house. Jesus is saying, this is how I describe the ones who are in the house. Because how did they get in the house? They got in the house because Jesus called them to himself. They got inside, not because they fought their way in. They didn't get inside because they obeyed their way in. They got inside because Jesus called them to himself. So he's describing, he's giving a descriptor. This is a description of those who are my brothers and my, and my sisters and my mother. They are the ones who do the will of God. Similar to what he'll say in Matthew 7, verse 21. Those who say to me, Lord, Lord, they, they don't all enter the kingdom of heaven, but the ones who will are the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is not saying this is how you enter heaven by doing the will of the Father. He's describing those who will. They have the heart that delights in doing the will of God. So now finally, let's look at one last thing. And this is how Mark is going to beautifully tie together the two of these passages. The two of these passages. It's, it's brilliant how Mark has put this together. So we began talking about this theme of binding and who's bound and who's not bound. Okay, so Jesus's family comes. They hear about all these things going on and they come to bind him thinking that he's lost his mind. Meanwhile, Mark interrupts that story to another story of those who think that Jesus has been bound by demons. Jesus's answer is again, no, I'm not bound by demons. In fact, I'm here to do the binding. And then it goes from that to once again, back to the family who's there to bind him. And the family who's there to bind him finds that, and here's the kicker, he has already bound himself to his people. And that is the most beautiful aspect of this story is the reality that Jesus has in grace and in love and in mercy bound himself to his people. That's what he says. Here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. The Greek requires there a, an article. And in fact, if you notice all of those verses, verse 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, all of them have the phrase mother and brothers. So that kind of clues you in, right? <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that's sort of the theme because every single verse has it. Well, the Greek requires an article. And so every time that phrase appears, literally, if we were to translate it literally, it would be my the mother, my the brothers. That's the way the Greek language works. Until verse 35, when Jesus drops the articles. So four times we hear, we read, my the mother, my the brothers, my the mother, my the brothers, until verse 35, when Jesus says, here are, and here he drops the article, here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, these are representatives. These are, are metaphors. These are symbolic. These here are symbolic of all of those. Not these specific people only. They're symbolic of all of those to whom I now call mother, brothers, and sisters. In other words, I am bound to them. His biological mother, 
and his half biological brothers come thinking that they have authority over him and that they're going to bind him and take him him away. And he says to them, in essence, no, I'm bound to them, not you. I have bound myself to my people. And that is, brothers and sisters, that is one of the most beautiful and the most glorious truths that the scriptures have for the New Testament church is that God has bound himself to his weak, failing people. Because who is in the room when Jesus says, I've bound myself to these people? Who is he talking about? Well, Peter, whom we know will call down curses upon himself rather than be seen by a slave girl as knowing Jesus. Peter would rather curse himself than be thought of as somebody that knows him. James and John who among others will fight between themselves about who's going to be the greatest one. And you know, I think it's extremely likely that in that room of people, there are also some people that in about a year and a half on the streets of Jerusalem, they're going to cry, give us Barabbas. As for him, crucify him. That's who Jesus bound himself to. Friends, that's, I don't know what could be more encouraging than that, than to hear from the Messiah, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, knowing how they will fail him. Knowing how pathetically weak their faith will be knowing how pathetically weak their obedience will be. Nonetheless, I have bound myself to them. I will not leave them. You will not take me away by force because these are my people and I will not be taken from them. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that in love, He predestined us unto adoption as sons. Before the foundation of the world, we were his brothers and sisters. Before the foundation of the world, he put his his love upon us, thereby forever making our eternal happiness and his eternal happiness parallel. There's no truth that I know of from the New Testament that is more earth-shattering, then the God of the universe has bound himself eternally to his people. These are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters. Jesus will not be bound by the bonds of creation, but instead he will graciously and eternally give himself into the bonds of his recreation, of his new creation. 